Good morning. Glad you're here. Good to see you again. I guess I was up here once. Um, this morning we're wrapping up a series that we've called Hometowns. And I've, I've really enjoyed preparing for this series because we're looking at uh, how, how God designed the church to be really a, a relational hometown. And the picture that you see on the screen now and on the front of your program is a picture of what we're trying to communicate in this in this series. <clears throat> uh, it reminds me of growing up near downtown L.A., uh, L.A. City Schools. I, I didn't realize schools had grass until I went to the suburbs <laughs> and realized, oh, there's something besides asphalt that people play on, that kids play on. I didn't, I didn't realize that. And so I grew up in a big city, huge place. But in, inside of that city, I, our family was a part of a, a church. And that church was my hometown, really. It was inside the city that we lived in. And that's where I really had relationships. I had extended brothers and sisters, uh, aunts and uncles, people who really loved me, and it really blessed me to be a part of that. And this is what God wants from churches all over the world. He, he, he wants us to have a place like that. And we all want a hometown like that, where we can belong, where we work with others for good, where we encourage one another as we uh, do our work and as we raise our kids. For Christ followers, that's what the church is designed to be. It's designed to be our hometown community on this side of heaven because it's, it's a little colony of heaven. And we're, we're citizens of heaven, but we live in these hometowns for now. You can't locate it on a map. You won't find it on a map because it's tied together by relationships. And it's God's desire that these spread all over the world. We started this series by tracing the source of our longing for a hometown. We discovered that this longing reflects the image of God in us. God made us with this desire for uh, relationships beyond ourselves, beyond our own families. And this longing for a hometown, this longing for relationships, reflects the image of God himself. We looked at how God is a trinity, three persons and one being. That blows our mind because no one on earth compares to God. No one is like him. So we don't, we don't have a comparison to say, oh, okay, it's God is like because God's incomparable. And that, that makes sense to me, uh, that he would be incomparable. Um, but what that means is he's always existed in meaningful relationship, in his own being, in his own person. So he created us out of a desire to love us, and in hopes that we would choose to love him back. This is God's heart for us. This is why he made us, that he could love us, that we would love him back. And he built in this desire to connect with other people and show love to them as well. 
He gave people the need to live in meaningful relationships in a larger community beyond our own family. So we looked at that the first week. Second week, we looked at the city limits. How, how do you get inside the hometown uh, officially and become a citizen? How, how do you become a part of that hometown? And God has a plan for this. Er, early on, uh, men and women decided to go their own way and live life independent of, of God. And so that's why you see all of the, the evil and the destruction that goes on in the world. Because we've, we've chosen to live without his help. Um, but he had a plan. He had a plan to bring us back into a relationship with him to connect with him and become his children. So when someone trusts Jesus enough to obey him, it's not just believe in, in your mind, but it's you believe to the point you trust him with your life. Okay, Lord, I'm, I've gone my own way. I've trusted my own way long enough, and I'm going to turn from that way, and I'm going to go your way. When you make that decision, you're born again into God's family. You become a part of this hometown, this ch- the church, in a spiritual sense. God becomes our father, really our dad. It's much, it's a much closer relationship than just father who's removed. He's our dad, and we want to be like our dad. We want to be like him. Scripture says God is holy, so we want to be holy. The scripture says he is merciful, so we aim to show mercy. And this desire to be like our dad, we want to please him. We want to make him happy in the way that we relate to people in the church and those outside the church as well. Week three, we looked at getting involved. We saw how we can be pulled toward isolation by busyness, by disappointment, by past hurts, and other things. And also how it's, it's very unwise to separate yourself from the church body. If you're trying to follow Christ, it's not wise to separate. But it's important to be a part and to plug in. And so during that message, the third week, we talked about the choice to get involved and the benefits of getting connected and staying connected and using your gifts and energy uh, to bless the body and for a larger purpose. Week four, we looked at heroes. Uh, we walked through Bible passages that show how heroes and leaders in the church, those who lead the church at the highest levels and at every level, set priorities and reveal possibilities. In other words, they show you who you could become. That's God's design. So he doesn't want to just pick leaders that we really enjoy or like or hopefully you enjoy them. I mean, if they have the character they need to have, you'd, you'd enjoy them. But not just those we click with, but those who really follow God and want to know God and set the example of what he's like. And that pulls the whole community along. So we, we looked at that, uh, how the leaders have certain qualifications that set the example And how when leaders lead well and followers follow well, godly cooperation propels us toward our mission. And it's unhindered. We're we're able to accomplish what God wants. Last week, we talked about fault lines. We looked at some feuds that were going on in U.S. history just briefly, and then a feud that was going on in 
the church at Philippi. And we talked about how conflict's normal in life, but God puts a high value on unity. And so our all-important purpose isn't to be hindered by the conflict, but we're to work through it, work it out, take initiative to do that. Today, we find ourselves at what I would call the capstone of all the messages. This, this is a really important message that we're looking at today. Um, I, I say it's a capstone because it's, it, we're talking about hospitality and where hospitality comes from. Hospitality is what God wants in the heart of a church community. We're going to see in a few minutes the connection between God's love, specific kind of love, and hospitality and how it always flows from there. Right now, think about, picture in your mind or think about it. It may not be a stretch for you. It's not for me. But think about how it feels to be around a group of people who love you, you feel accepted by them. Maybe you're at a family reunion where everyone's just glad to see you. They're interested in what's going on in your life. They haven't heard lately. They're trying to catch up on what's happening. Maybe it's a bunch of high school friends uh, where you've known them from grade school or a group you've grown up with in church. And, you know, everyone has their quirks. But that's all right. They could be quirky if they want. We're, we're the group. We're hanging out. We... We can even finish each other's sentences occasionally. You know, the, so you're accepted. You're part of the group. Contrast that with the icy feeling of rejection. Being snubbed and excluded. God, God doesn't want that. He's not pleased with that, especially in his church home down. Here, here's a scene from Legally Blonde where the main character, L is trying to get into a study group. And it's kind of dark, but thankfully there are captions, so we can at least read what's going on as we, as we see the scene. It's in a library. Here, here's the scene. Let's watch what happens. Hi, everybody. Elle, well, what are you doing here? I've come to join your study group. And look, I brought sustenance. Who's first? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Our group is full. Oh, is this like an RSVP thing? No, it's like a smart people thing. And as Viv said, we're full. Come on, guys. We can make room for one more. Ow. We've already assigned the outlines. The answer is no. Oh, okay. I'll just wait then. Bye. Now, that, that just hurts. You know, the, the one guy, he's trying to include her, but he's too weak to lead out. That's not what God wants in the church. And we really can't be sure of his motive, can we, in wanting to include her? <laughs> um, God, on the other hand, invites everyone on the planet into a relationship with himself. He, he loves the entire world. Our dad, God himself is an includer who, who loves the world and has given his only son to pay the price for our sin. We, as a church, 
are meant to represent him here on this earth. We bear his name. We give people a warm welcome and aim to include them as we try to share his story and his truth with them. The desire welcome to welcome others isn't at the sur- surface of who we are once we decide to follow Christ, but it comes from a deep source within. God wants the church to be rooted in a love that generates hospitality. Here's a command God gives through the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter 4. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. We talk about this Greek word here. We talk about the Greek words behind these passages a lot because you gain some insight into what God's actually saying through the passages. And we talk about this word for love in this passage a lot around here because it has its roots in God's love and it is an expression of God's love. And he puts it into the heart of everybody who decides to follow Christ. In, in his spirit who comes to live in us. He, he roots it in our hearts. And to say the least, he wants it to be a core characteristic of the church body that he grows up. In fact, that's one of the comments that historians made about the early church. The very first church is, you know, Jesus lived, died, ascended to heaven. And then uh, as historians observed what was going on in the midst of the persecution that the first church was under, the comment, one of the famous comments that that they made about that church is, oh, how they love one another. This is to be a defining characteristic of the church body, of our hometown. This is what God wants. This is what pleases Him. In fact, He didn't want us to miss the importance of it so much that that word... For love is used 259 times in the 27 books of the New Testament. So God, you know, when, when God repeats something, he wants us to grasp a hold of what he's trying to tell us. So he keeps using this specific word for love. He wants it to define us. The Greek word for love here is agape. It, it's a sacrificial love that gives and does what's best for one another, regardless of how you feel in the moment. This is what it means to love God's way. This is how God loves us. Jesus lived out this love on the cross because, as we saw, in, as he was praying, right before he knew it was coming time to be arrested and go to the cross, he's sweating blood. And he's wrestling with this. And you know he doesn't, he knows what's coming. He doesn't want it necessarily. But he prays, Father, if there's any way to let this cup of suffering pass for me, please let it pass. But I want your will to be done, not mine. He surrenders to God's will in that moment. He didn't feel like going to the cross. But he loved us. With a love that didn't matter how he felt. It didn't matter. If you agape someone, you make a choice to do what's best for them right now, no matter how you feel. That's what it means to show agape. God's loved us with that kind of love. With a sacrificial love that was demonstrated by Jesus' death on the cross. This is captured in Romans 5.8. 
But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we accept Jesus' death on the cross as a substitute for the punishment of our sins, we, we give our lives back to him. There we go. If we accept Jesus' death on the cross as a payment for our sin and give our lives back to him, we become his children. We looked at this early on in this series in week two. The phrase from 1 Peter 1 says, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. We are born again to be a son or daughter of God. Okay, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) When we're born again as a son or daughter of God, his spirit comes to live in us. And the new life he brings is the root of our love that flows into hospitality toward the people around us. We're commanded in this passage to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And uh, hospitality is what we do when God's love is planted in our hearts, in his spirit. Interesting word, hospitality. It's a combination of words in the Greek language. It It literally means fond of guests. Or, or literally, the love of philos, is a Greek word, the love of xenos, strangers. The love of strangers, fond of guests. We, we love guests, people we don't know, because God loves them. Because this is, this is what is on the heart of God. He's the, the great includer. He wants us to be an, a group that keeps including those who don't know him. It also carries the idea of being generous to guests. So when an outsider to the church shows up, someone we don't know, we aim to help them, to to welcome them, and to include them in what's going on. We don't reject anyone that God loves. And and God loves everybody on the face of the earth. We, We want them to know him and accept his invitation into a relationship with him. Now, God doesn't play favorites, and we shouldn't either. Every person bears his image and is worthy of respect. Here's what it says in Romans 12:10 and 13. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I'd like to show you a story that, to me, paints a great picture of hospitality. Hospitality is it's always rooted in love. It's It's... 
it's really pure love is consideration, where you're considering the needs, you're noticing the needs around you, and you show consideration by stepping out to act and meet the needs that are there. I'd like to show you a story about Gander, Newfoundland, and I don't know if you saw this, but it was immediately after 9-11. You may have seen the news special by Tom Brokaw. I saw the whole thing. And in my mind, it was a picture of an entire community coming together to show hospitality to people that were really in need. So let's watch this clip. It's, it's a fairly long clip, but I'd like you to see it. September 11th, 2009. This is a scene that has played out in communities for eight years since the terrorist attacks of 2001. But what makes this ceremony different is where it's taking place. This is the Appleton Peace Park in the town of Gander in Newfoundland, Canada, where during the tragedy of 9-11, there was a bright light on the better part of our humanity. For the first time ever, American airspace is closed. No, no. Oh my God. The FAA now says that all international flights headed for the United States are being diverted to Canada. On September 11th, eight domestic flights are scheduled to land in Gander. Instead, 38 planes carrying almost 7,000 people are beginning to fill the tarmac. The spectacle has drawn a crowd from among the town's 10,000 citizens. Oz Fudge is one of just two officers on the local police force. I watched the plane come in, then I seen a jumbo come in, and then I seen another one coming in. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, holy God. There's, if, if, there's, if there's 200 people on each one of these planes and we're going to get 40 or 50 planes, that's an awful lot of people. Gander begins the process of absorbing all those passengers, so many that in a matter of hours they will nearly double the local population. Currently there are thousands of people in Gander and surrounding area that need your help. Please come to their assistance, lend a hand, lend a meal. Offer your services wherever possible. I'll tell you, this experience with your town has just been beyond belief. We were uh, buying some some uh, clothes earlier for the extra day stay, and the uh, shopping clerk actually invited us to her house to take a shower. So it's been uh, it's been like that ever since we've been here. And the people are real nice. You know, I can't believe it. You know, everybody put their arms around you. You know, and it's always food coming in all the time. There's not one person that we have come across who hasn't offered to help us in some way. It's overwhelming. U.S. airspace reopens on Thursday, September 13th. Shirley Brooks-Jones, the retired Ohio State Fundraising Administrator, boards Delta Flight 15 to begin her journey home. She's constantly thinking about the generosity of the people in the Gander area, wondering what she could ever do to pay them back. And then, going home, an inspiration. 
all of us as we were leaving tried to leave some money with the people and they wouldn't take it they just look at us and they'd say no you do the same for us once the flight is airborne brooks jones asked the pilot if she can make an announcement a request really for passengers to donate money toward a scholarship fund for graduates of lewisport collegiate school where so many have spent their days in newfoundland Several of the men went around, picked up the pledge sheets, counted up how much the people from, from all over the world had, had uh, pledged, and they had pledged something over $15,000 U.S. What we keep encountering time after time is an enormous contrast between the darkness of the events in the United States and the goodness that was going on here. So in many ways, Gander played a critical role, not just in getting people through that time, but as an example of what humanity can be when it's at its best. Well, I think it was, there was a, a, a lady, she was 80 years of age, and when she was leaving, I think she summed it all up. She said, when I heard about what had happened in the world, I had lost all faith in mankind. But after spending five days here with you people, you've restored my faith. There still is good people lifting our world. of hospitality that we see there. And at the memorial service, they're singing a hymn, which reminds us of the Christian roots of the Canadian culture. It's a great reminder of how people in this world go through all kinds of trouble, all kinds. And when we offer hospitality, it strikes a deep chord in them. Didn't that strike a deep chord in you? <laughs> as you watch just this town embracing the people there. This is what God wants in the church body. We're, we're made up of people who need him. We meet people who need him. And we're made to love one another in this way. A love that flows into hospitality, where we see the need, we consider the need, and we set out to meet the need. That's what these boxes are about these Operation Christmas Child boxes. What's also interesting to me is how those who were served wanted to reciprocate. This is also built into us. This is something that reflects the heart of God. You know, because he did say you give and you, you receive back God's blessing. And they wanted to, they had this native reflex to bless the, 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 the city. This is at the heart of God's design as well for the church hometown. This is what he wants. The Greek word, you know, churches are sometimes referred to as fellowships. We use the word community. We've been talking about that a lot in this series. Uh, the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, which literally means mutual reciprocity. So I, I serve you, you serve me back. You, you, I give to you, you give back to me. This is built into what God wants in his church body. These are the roots of our hospitality in church life. And by God's design, love and hospitality must permeate the atmosphere of the church. This is what he commands. And if we're going to experience community here in the Church of the Valley hometown, 
We must choose the things that create it. It's easy to get consumed with our own trouble and then grumble about having to show hospitality. That's why Peter said, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I, that was, I'm sure that was very inconvenient for the town of Gander <laughs> to have all those folks show up. They had stuff going on. They had a schedule. They had things going on. And you saw the reaction of Oz Fudge. Is that a great name or what? I just had to say it. Oz Fudge. You saw his reaction. Oh, how are we going to deal with this? But they, they stepped up and dealt with it. And so Peter says, show hospitality without grumbling. Because you, you know why he says that? Because we tend to grumble <laughs> when we need to show hospitality. The word in Greek is gongosmos. Sounds like kind of a play on words and that that's exactly what we do we must we have to keep choosing hospitality over our native tendency to focus on our own lives and busyness and our own comfort and our own little group that we enjoy God wants us to extend beyond the group that we have we have to keep choosing it Hebrews 13 1 and 2 says let brotherly love continue Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. There are many opportunities on most of our days to show hospitality to others. It could be as simple as an engaging, friendly smile versus a distracted countenance overlooking the people around us. It could be saying hello to your neighbors and showing interest in their life, finding out they have a need and stepping up to meet it. Jesus' definition of a neighbor is the person right in front of you right now. That's his definition. That's our neighbor. God brings people into our path. That's the, that's the intent behind his story of the Samaritan. God brings people in our path to love, to be hospitable toward, to show kindness to. It could also mean showing hospitality uh, to uh, invite someone into your home for a meal or to join you on an outing or lunch after church. It could be as simple as noticing a stranger's need in the moment and taking the risk to reach out and meet the need. Hospitality is a direct reflection of God's heart for people. It's so important to him that he set up church governance and leadership to create an atmosphere of hospitality. We talked in uh, week four of this series about how God designed the church to have leaders who pull people in the right direction. And in, in his description of leaders and his qualifications for church leaders, um, he, he points out that hospitality has to be one of those qualities that they, that they have. So God spoke through the Apostle Paul to include hospitality as one of these qualifications for top-level leaders of church life. 1 Timothy 3.2 says, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, a husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. You see the same qualification on another list in Titus, Titus 1. An overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach, He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, 
self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Hospital. God has wired in, in the structure of church life, hospitality. This is what he wants. A love of strangers. (laughs) To be fond of guests. Those who lead, who have the privilege of setting the direction for a congregation, have a powerful influence on the atmosphere. And God expects our leaders to be hospitable. They go out of their way to include others and help them feel welcomed and to meet the needs that they're able. The entire church community must keep inviting people into our hometown and welcoming welcoming them in to enjoy what we have if we're going to have this atmosphere. A group where we're accepted but encouraged to grow. Where we belong. Where we work together for good and the purpose God gave us as a church. Where parents are encouraged to play the role God wants them to play in the lives of their children. Where singles are a part of the family of God and they're able to be brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles in in a larger group, in a larger family or community. We, we don't close the doors on our guests in, in this hometown. But we keep inviting people to join in. I'd like to wrap up the message this morning uh, by offering a couple of next steps. We're going to receive the offering in a few moments. And I'd like to ask you, if you would, to drop your connection card in the offering as you finish filling it out. Uh, Here are some suggested ways to apply the message today. My next step today is to show hospitality to someone this week. Maybe you know of a need right now. Or as you discover need of someone, you meet that need. Maybe it's say hello to someone you don't know or invite an acquaintance to lunch to get to know them better. To invite them to a meal in your home if you do know them a little better. Meet a need you've noticed for someone who's new to the group you're in or to the workplace you're at. And then another step would be to begin to pray and consider who you'd like to invite to the family Christmas service. Christmas season is a time when people are more open to investigating what it means to follow Christ and attend church to find out what it's all about. So we, we want to keep including people in our hometown. So we have several events that are coming up beyond family Christmas. Uh, the ornament exchange and other things that are going on that be great to invite people to join in who aren't plugged into a church. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your heart for us. You love us deeply. And you want us, God, to know you and to help others come to know you for who you are. And our hospitality here is a key that others can experience to know who you are, God. And I pray that you'd help us to continue to be open and welcoming and kind to those we meet. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.